0: Oh, good morning, Church at the Red Door. Everybody survived the flood? Yes, this is good. Anybody have to dig mud out? Oh, no mud. Oh, that's a, that's a good thing. Well, uh, it's a privilege to be here this morning. Um, I can tell you it's been a long time since I've done this, and I got used to doing the introduction, so as I was standing over here, I picked up the hand mic, and I'm thinking, oh, uh, no, that's not good. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, it is, a, it is a pleasure to be here, and it's an honor to be here. So thank you for coming here this morning. I want to uh, open with the scripture, if we, this, if we could this morning. It's out of Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, And God is able to make all grace overflow to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance of every good deed. And we'll talk more about this later, but I wanted to, I wanted to kind of open with that. And let me just, uh, yeah, I thank you, Steve, for doing the introduction this morning. You do it much better than I do, brother. So uh, I love the stories you have to tell. So next time I do, int- I may come to you for the stories, okay? Just, <laughs> just so you know. But thank you for doing that here this morning. Let me open in prayer as well. I know Steve did, but uh, dear Heavenly Father, as we gather here this morning, Father, we want to give you give you honor, give you praise and worship, Lord. It's, it's all about you here this morning. I thank you for those that are with us and here and on live stream, Lord. I pray you'd, you'd open their hearts, open all our hearts, Lord, that we might have ears to hear your word, your truth. And uh, Father, I know this is kind of a trite little statement, but I, I say it anyway, and that is take the wheel, Jesus. It's yours. Amen. Amen. Uh, one more special, see, I'm trying to take up a lot of time here. You understand that? <laughs> one more special announcement this morning, because this, this was a very special thing that occurred here a week ago uh, up at Big Bear. And I just want to let you know, we have a young man that's part of the AV team. His name is Nicholas. Nicholas is back there on one of the cameras somewhere this morning. And uh, Nicholas at Big Bear, they had uh, a whole weekend for FCA and he accepted Jesus, and he now is a part of eternity in our community, so. Amen, brother Nicholas. I'm sure we'll hear more about uh, FCA on the weekend, but uh, it was fabulous. I had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time with Nicholas, and I'm as excited as he is. Okay, Apostle Paul has a lot to say about contentment, and that's what I wanna talk about this morning. Why would I want to be content? Why would we want to be content? Particularly when we have so many things in this world that we can take advantage of that we think bring us pleasure. So I want to explore a couple of things on contentment, and we'll look at, uh, at uh, Apostle Paul as we go through here. I want to cover three things we did this morning. What is contentment? I think we all have a pretty good idea, but I want to go a little bit deeper into what contentment is. Secondly, what is the secret to it? If you're not content this morning, what is the secret of contentment? And the third thing is, are we designed for contentment? Did God design us to have contentment? So let's talk about what it is. What is contentment? We are told, I think, friends, to be content about just about everything. You know, it doesn't matter if you're watching TV, if you're on Facebook, you're streaming YouTube, or whatever it is. And if you noticed a lot of those movies that you watch on streaming, about every 15 minutes, they pop an ad up, but they don't tell you that it's coming. So we get bombarded with that. Just, I'll give you a few examples. I'm sure you're familiar with all these. The Apple Watch. We all get told we need to get upgraded on the Apple Watch, right? Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'd, yes, I got a new Apple Watch a while back. <laughs> so we're told about the latest golf clubs. Now, I, you know, I don't play a lot of golf, but I know... A few times that I did, I, I feel I had to have all the right kind of clubs to play golf. So I went out and I bought, this is a few years ago, the latest thing, the latest thing was a hybrid, okay. So now I had these hybrids in my bag because I thought you need those to play golf. Well, it made a difference, right? No. <laughs> it made no difference. In fact, I took some lessons. I took five weeks of lessons for golf when we first moved out here to the desert Two times a week, and I won't tell you which country club it was at, but it was a golf pro from this club, wasn't our pastor, okay? <laughs> and uh, I started out, you know, the first week, a couple of lessons. He, hey, those I, I learned the words. That's a golf shot. That's a golf shot. And I said, oh, okay. When I got to the end of it, he looked at me. He says, Randy, I hate to tell you this, you're worse than when you began. <laughs> so that's why I don't uh, I don't play a lot of golf. All right. Yeah, I know. it was. I felt sorry for him. I really did. <laughs> uh, so golf clubs, you know, secret vacations. You know, we read about these places where we can go and just get away from everything. Like, why did I want to get away from everything? These, And you read about them in the magazines. You know, they're the latest in the Caribbean or in Indonesia or off the coast of Africa. Again, we're bombarded with this stuff about we have to have all these things in order to be content. So it's a bit more than what, what I used to think about being content. Well, you know, I just don't collect too many material things. Well, we're bombarded with this stuff. Listen to this story, I gotta read you this story. This is out of the newspapers. This is a guy by the name, of, I love this, John Whitaker. <laughs> Construction company owner John Whitaker had the most magical Christmas morning in 2002 when he woke up and he had just won the Powerball making him $350 million richer overnight. Wonderful. A religious man, catch this. He donated $15 million to build two churches. He founded John Whitaker Foundation which sent checks to cover people's car and house payments and other expenses simply because they asked if he would help them. By 2007, most of his money was gone, $350 million well after before tax. Whitaker's construction company was buried in lawsuits and his granddaughter developed drug habit and died mysteriously. In 2016, Whitaker's house caught fire. Okay? He and his wife said that if they could go back in time, they would tear up that ticket. John Whitaker died in 2020 and he said this to the Associated Press before he died. I'm only going to be remembered as the lunatic who won the lottery. That's not the legacy we want. But that's what happens, friends. That's what happens when we buy into all of the things that we are supposed to want and supposed to have in order to be content. You know what I like about this story? And um, my brother back there in the booth, Pete Dine, pointed this out to me. Was, isn't it amazing how God, what God does to use people to build churches? Built two churches didn't turn out too well for him but God got two churches out of it uh, so um, so look um, we're just we're just bombarded with this stuff and I got one more quick story I'll tell you Wall Street Journal I don't know if any of you take the Wall Street Journal so there was an article in here about a gentleman by the <clears throat> by the name of um, Glenn Ken Griffin and Ken Griffin is a founder and CEO of Citadel Finance he just bought a new house Bought a new house in Miami, Florida on Biscayne Bay. So um, it was only $106 million for a house. Now, do you think he's content yet? I would bet he's not. I would bet he's not. I bet he'll buy another house. So uh, many of us, you know, many of us struggle with contentment. Uh, And why do we? Let me just offer some reasons. I think this is interesting about why we might struggle with contentment. This is from Joshua Becker. This is out of Forbes magazine. Reasons why we buy more stuff than we need. And I use the word we because it probably includes all of us. We believe possessions will make us secure. So owning more is more secure, right? The more you have, the more secure you are. We think stuff will make us happy. Well, we we really don't admit that. We wouldn't say that, but we live like that. We live like that. We are more susceptible to advertising than we believe. I don't know, I read this statistic. On an average day, we get between 4,000 and 10,000 ads, whether it be on Facebook, on streaming TV, billboard, newspaper, whatever it may be. What goes in, junk coming in. We are jealous of people who own more. We are trying to compensate for our deficiencies and we are more selfish than we want to admit. You know, I think our old nature loves the gain in the things of this world. If we can gain the things of this world, our flesh likes that. But let me just read out of Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. This is a familiar verse, but I want to spend a minute on it because I think it's, it's instructive for us. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money being content in what you have For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I abandon you. Now, if we look at this for a second, friends, just bear with me. Make sure. How are you going to make sure? Make sure is an action statement. know, if we do nothing about it, if we do nothing about this, then we are not going to be, our character is not going to be free from the love of money. It says we have to do something. Make sure. So it's an action thing. And I'll get... uh, I'll get into this a little bit later about what we can do that will help us with contentment. But it is an action thing, and we want our character to be free. In other words, our way of life, the way we behave, the way people see us, the way we live our life. We want it to be free, not from money, from the love of money. It's a character thing, and it's an action thing. Why? Because he says here in the last part of the verse, because he'll never desert us nor abandon us. Being content with the things of this world is not really being content at all. Would you agree with that? Got a yes? Yes. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Amen, amen. Thank you, I appreciate that. (laughs) Why? Well, because everything, everything that pertains to these kinds of things to contentment in this way is at the risk of what? Disappearing. Isn't that right? I can speak to that. You know, I listed some of these things Job. I thought I was content in my job. I've been fired twice in my career. Okay? I thought I was content in my financial portfolio. I don't know how many of you experienced 2008, but I was right in there in 2008. So that wasn't providing much security, was it? How about health? I know a number of you. A number of you have dealt with health, health, health issues. And relationships. And houses. You know, I, I we, Jackie and I gave up a larger house. We weren't content. That wasn't contentment. So it's not about things. Contentment is not about the things of this world. It's not about the material things. Here's the second thing contentment is not, just so we're clear. It's not about the circumstances. We all have those times when we get attacked when we get something comes out of left field, whether it's a lose your job, whether it's paycheck it didn't come through, whether it's whatever it may be. Listen to this out of Philippians 4.11, not that I speak, this is Paul, not that I speak from need for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. See we, we think we should be delivered from these circumstances. God doesn't say we ought to be content with the circumstance. He wants us to be content in the circumstance, not get comfortable with it because we're not. A lot of times things happen. We're not comfortable. God didn't say get comfortable with the circumstance. Okay. He says, be content in it. In other words, what does that mean? That means to be content in it, we have to walk with Him. We have to walk with Him. If we're not walking with Him, my friends were not gonna be content. I'll give you a little story. So um, when uh, when we moved out to Los Angeles from uh, Sacramento, California, I took a new job. And I was hired as a vice president of corporate development. That's a fancy word for saying somebody worries about and thinks about how they can grow, grow the company externally by acquisition or partnership or something like that, not with a sales force. And uh, it was a one man job. You know, I didn't have anybody reporting to me. Um, so I was in that job for a while. And then my boss came in one day to me and said, I'm gonna promote you to vice president of marketing. I thought, now we're talking, okay? Uh, this is gonna be good stuff because now I have people working for me. I have decisions to get to ma- be made. I'm in charge of the marketing for the company. You know, the brochures, the advertising, the product development. I thought, Randy, you have arrived, my friend. <laughs> so a couple of uh, months later, my boss comes in the office and says, I'm moving you back into VP of development. Do you think I was happy? think I was happy in that circumstance? Do you think I wanted God to remove that? Do you think I went home and said, God, why did you do that? there was a big why I had. Why did you do this? I am walking the way you want me to. I am doing the things that I'm supposed to. Why? Here's what God said to me. And I remember this as clearly as the day said it to me. He says, Randy, the job I give you is the highest job in the universe. Don't forget that. And so today, as in every day since then, wherever God puts me, is the highest and best place I can be. Amen? The God that promotes, my friends, is the same God that demotes. Because every circumstance that you're in is part of His plan, it's part of my plan. I am part of His plan for me, for us. So every circumstance we're in, it's His plan. And we need to be content in that. Eric Raymond, in a book called Chasing Contentment, said this, Contentment is not based on circumstance. Why? It can't be, he says. Why? Because Paul and Silas were content in some of the worst circumstances imaginable. If they were content in those circumstances, my friends, we can be content in the circumstances that God gives us. (laughs) Let's take a look. At Paul and Silas. Let's take a look at that in Acts chapter 16. I just want to read a little bit out of 16 22 through 25. The crowd joined in an attack against them. That's Paul and Silas. And the chief magistrates tore their robes off off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. Now I've never been beaten with a rod but probably not pleasant. When they had struck them in many blows they threw them in prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such command, threw them into the interprison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Complaining? Griping? Asking why? No. No, they were praying and singing hymns of praise. And the prisoners, catch that, the prisoners were let, listening to them. Their behavior, their light, the way they showed their faith caused people to listen to them. Do you think the other people would have listened to them if they were just moaning and groaning and complaining over there? See, Paul and Silas did not complain. They didn't try to run away from the circumstance. They didn't try to figure out a way to get out of that. You know, I've, had, I've seen some people try to get out of their circumstance. Sometimes it's not very pretty. I've seen an employee because he lost his job commit suicide because he thought all his contentment, everything in life that he thought was worthy and worthwhile was in a job, in a circumstance. What did they do? Let's take a look at what did they do. First thing, they stayed. They, why did they stay? because of their faith, because they knew God was going to help them. They sang praises, and they worshipped. That's what we need to be doing when we're in a circumstance that is difficult in our life. We need to know God's there to help us. We need to sing praises. We need to worship. We need to put Him first. We need to lift Him up. And I know this is, a, this is an easy thing to say, and sometimes it's a hard thing to carry out, But I think we have to be cautious, friends, because we can easily become discontent in a circumstance if we forget this. If we forget God is the God that promotes and the same God that demotes, if we forget that God is the one that is in charge of the circumstance, not us, and if we forget that God has a plan, a purpose, and we're there to worship Him, to love Him, and to walk in the faith that He's called us to. If we forget those things, we can easily end up in discouragement so you can prevent discouragement by taking every circumstance and make sure we lift it up to him and discontentment my friends can lead to ungodly decisions I don't know if you've ever been there if you get discontent with something that happens in your life you know the car breaks down It's the third time it breaks down and you're really unhappy with it and you sell the thing and you go buy a new one because you're unhappy with it. And now you can't afford the car payment. In Numbers, I think this is interesting. It's talking about ungodly decisions in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. You know, the, the Moses sent, sent some spies into the promised land to, to spy Canaan and come back and give a report. I think you know the story and, uh, for the Israelites. And, Caleb and Joshua were the only two of the spies that came back and said, we can do this. The rest of them said, oh, no, these are too big. There's too many of them. You know, we can't, we can't go forward, Lord. We cannot go forward, even though the Lord says, go forward, I'll be with you. The majority disagreed. And what happened to this ungodly decision they made to not go forward? The Israelites were deli- deli- <laughs> denied entry denied the entry for a number of years it all got delayed and many of them died because they made an ungodly decision. So John Stott says this, genuine contentment is not self-sufficiency. See, we like to think that we're in charge. We like to think, hey, I can make a better decision. I know what to do in this case. I know how that's going to work out. I know where to put Put this particular, I know how to make this decision to make this particular thing happen. Not self-sufficiency, but God's sufficiency, Christ's sufficiency. So let me ask you this, when you get into a difficult situation, are you looking for Christ's help, for Jesus' help? Are you calling Him to come help you? You know, I, I, you hear Jeff say this all the time, as a prayer, Lord, show me what you want me to know about this and show me what you want me to do. And that's a much better prayer than saying, Lord, why'd you put me in this circumstance? So I want to encourage you, God, show me what you want me to know about this situation, and show me what you want me to do about it. And then listen, see what He tells you to do, see what He says. So those are the two things, friends, material things and circumstances. We can't be content in the material things, and we don't want to be content by just making bad decisions about the circumstances we're in. So what's the secret to contentment? Let's move on to that. This is uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I'll give you a spoiler alert. It's learned. Contentment is learned, and we're going to talk about that. Now that I speak, not that I speak from need, for I have learned to be content. In whatever circumstance I am in, I know how to go along with a little, and I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. uh, Sorry. Contentment is learned. It's not something you get. It's not something God gives you, contentment. You have to learn contentment. So what's learn mean? takes action, right? By use and by experience. And I guarantee you we're all going to be in those cases where we have a circumstance that we're going to have to learn how to be content in that circumstance. We're all going to be bombarded with material things that we think we need. And we're going to have to learn to deny those things that God doesn't want us to have and to enjoy those things that He does give us. You can't learn if you don't walk through a circumstance. If you want to try to get out of a circumstance, you can't learn. You have to walk through it. And I know many of you are walking through right now health issues, and I have to tell you that uh, he probably won't like this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Brother Boylan was up here, has walked through some, some medical circumstance. Talk about a man of faith trusting, walking through that, in that, Not trying to walk over that and around that. Walk through it with the Lord Jesus. I commend you brother. So what can we learn from Paul? Ephesians 4, let's go there. I want to spend a few minutes on this because this will help us learn a little bit more about how Paul walked through circumstances that were not very pleasant. Ephesians 4, Verses 1 and 2, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. The first thing I see in this, he says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Do you ever think about prisoner of the Lord? If If you're a prisoner of something, you can't get away. If you're a prisoner, they're in charge of you. And Paul says he's a prisoner of the Lord. He is, friends, he is laser focused on Jesus. That's it, laser focused on Jesus. So if we wanna walk through circumstances with the Lord and have contentment, if we wanna have contentment in, in our lives, first place to start It's be a prisoner of the Lord. Have a laser focus on Him. He's in charge. He's not going to let you get away. He says He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's going to be with us. Second thing is, He goes on to say, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. We all have a purpose, friends. Whether Whether we actually know that in great detail, God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And he has a calling, whether it be your neighbor, your friend next door, or your somebody at work, or somebody you met, or maybe you go help, you know, Coachella Valley Rescue Mission. Maybe you get him go for a mission. Maybe while you're on vacation, God gives you divine appointments. So we all we all have a calling. So what he says is, in this, with all what, humility and gentleness. So humility, friends, we have to have humility in this situation. You can't, I can't, we can't have pride reigning in our life and think that we can walk through contentment with the Lord at our side directing us because we aren't listening to Him. Pride is a great way in which the enemy deafens our ears. And then we live on our own circumstance, our own experience, our own flesh. So if we're walking in pride and, hey, listen, I've been there. You know, I've, I meet with a couple of brothers and I've, I've said from an accountability standpoint, that's one thing I've dealt with in my life. I know it's something that I was trained in by the ways of this world. I was trained in how to be proud and prideful. And it's all about you, Randy. And I was trained in that. Just like the Apostle Paul was trained by the Pharisees, but he changed, and the Lord has changed my heart. But I can tell you, without humility, we're not going to be able to hear the Lord to walk through a circumstance that's a difficult circumstance. And the last one, friends, is patience. I don't know about you, but a lot of circumstances I get put in, I am, oh, I, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I have to really work on the patience part. It's like zip the mouth, let the Lord speak, and when he says okay then you can do this. But it's hard. It's hard, friend. So, you know, none of this is none of this is easy. That's why it's learned. If it was easy and God just gave it to us, I mean, it did it, it come naturally. It does not. But God wants us to have that. And we'll get to that in a minute. In 9 minutes actually. <laughs> so I know. Uh, Okay, so uh, Paul wasn't content because he had a lot. In fact, Paul was in trouble. Paul had a lot of trouble, but he was content. And he says that several times in Scripture. Okay, so are we designed for contentment? I believe we are. Why do I say we're designed for contentment? We're designed because God wants us to have contentment. Why is that? Friends, it's because it's spiritual. It's because contentment is supernatural. It's a supernatural thing to be content. It's not something that you get. It's something that you learn, but it is supernatural. And it is spiritual. Matthew Henry, I love Matthew Henry's commentaries about the Bible. I know some of you read that as well, but here's what Matthew Henry says. Paul was confident that he was in the will of God. He knew that wherever he was or in whatever circumstance he found himself, he was there by divine appointment. God is in charge of every circumstance, friends. Don't think that stuff comes at you that God doesn't know about. Mm -mm. You got your eyes on the wrong God if you think that's the case. He was there by divine appointment. If he was hungry, it was because God wanted him to be hungry. Hmm. If he was full, it was because the Lord had so planned it. Randy, if your portfolio is less, it's because God planned it that way. Busily and faithfully engaged in the service of the king, he could say, Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. In other words, even so, it looks horrible to me. It looked good in your sight. Divine appointment. It's supernatural, friends. Contentment is supernatural. Philippians four thirteen. This is what Paul says: I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. See, that's that's a simple piece of contentment. If we if you if we believe this, if we believe this in all things through Christ, not through Randy, not through you, through Christ. If we can do all things, I can do all things through Christ because it's His strength that I get. This is something else I learned. Contentment enables us to be free from, I call it the tethers of this world. Contentment enables me to be free of these tethers of the world that just want to attach themselves to me so that I can hear from the Lord and focus on what He has called me to do and what He's called you to do. I got one more story I want to share with you. So uh, one of the jobs I had was uh, when I was working for Sprint Telecommunications. It's now Sprint. It was another company before when I was working for them. In Kansas City, I got this call to take a job in Ohio. It was a headhunter called, and I thought, hmm. So I went and I visited and I thought, boy. this." This could be a pretty neat job. First of all, things of this world, it was a double in pay. I thought, wow, thank you, Lord. (laughs) He was testing me. I failed the test, friends. I'll share it with you. He was testing me. Does He test you? Has He ever tested you? He tested me and I failed the test. But let me finish the story. So, went to Ohio, I got to be uh, president of a, it was a small security company that installs security systems. I was 38 years old, and there was no pride there, right? Yeah, yeah really? Uh, and I was a believer. I had just become a believer six months into my walk with the Lord. So I was there for a year and a half. And uh, then this. I had, uh, of course, Jackie was with me. We, we had her parents living with us. And one day, my boss walks in and says, I'm firing you. And I'm going, wow. I'm here in a place I don't know anything about. I got my in-laws with me. I got a house payment. And you're doing what? Now, fortunately, and again, God planned this because He knew what an idiot I was. Okay? I had a contract, so I had six months of pay. So for six months, when this happened, For six months is what I did. I got up every morning after I was fired. I put on a suit. I walked into my study, and I opened his word every day for six months because he said, Randy, I want to teach you something out of this. If you will follow me, I will provide for you. So the good news is the day that my six-month paycheck stopped was the day that my new paycheck started. Okay. So listen, friends. He tests us. And if we fail the test, which I did, he'll still look after us. He'll still go before you and prepare the way. But he wants you to learn from that test. And I did learn. And I'm grateful. Uh, because not only did I learn that, but it brought me to a new place. If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be standing here today. That's kind of a backup better. Okay, lastly, let me just read you this and then we'll move on here. <clears throat> First Timothy chapter six, verses six and seven. And I want to share this with you because it opens up a little bit more about contentment. This is the last thing I want to share with you. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into this world so we can take nothing out of it. You see, if you're a believer and if you're walking with Him and you have godliness, if you can add God inspired contentment to your life, it's gonna be great gain. It's gonna be great gain for his kingdom. We can walk, you know, we can walk in godliness and we can do the things he wants, but if we can learn contentment and match that with this, it's gonna be great gain for his kingdom. And that's what I want. And that's what we want. We want great gain for his kingdom. If you're leading a godly life, you can learn contentment. So why would I want to be content? That's where we started this. Why would I want to be content? John Stott says this. I love John Stott as a author and a person of faith and a teacher. He says, contentment understands that God has placed you right where you are now and has equipped you for this purpose. Be content in the season God has placed you Because we have an audience of one, and we have a precious moment God has given us to be content. It's an audience of one, friends. Who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to show? If you think about and and think of the audience of one, Him, the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, and that's who we try to please, then you won't have to worry about the things of pride and things like that, because you'll be aimed at the Father all right with godliness and contentment friends we can make great progress for the kingdom and we can hear him calling us and we can go out and serve the purpose and make a mighty statement for him and be the light that he calls us to be you know there's one way that i kind of look at my life about how am i doing on my contentment and i like this out of romans chapter 14, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we have if we have peace in our life, if we have joy in our life with the, through the Holy Spirit, you know, we can probably say we're doing pretty well with contentment. Because you see, when you're discontent, you don't have peace. You're discontent. You're buying homes, but you don't have any joy. He gives us all, all we need, and uh, I'm gonna wrap this up uh, so I, you all can get out of here. Uh, but contentment, my friends, God wants us to have contentment. We're designed for contentment. It's a supernatural thing, and you can learn it. We all can learn it. We all can walk in it if we just follow what He's called us to do and walk in that way. So let me just close this in prayer and then we'll have our last song here. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this uh, special time you've given us this morning. It's special because you're here, Father, and you say, you know, when you're here, Father, we can have the peace and we can have the joy. So Lord, I pray peace and I pray joy over all those that are here today. I pray, Father, you would help us to think deeply about contentment and uh, look for that Godly contentment, godliness with contentment, and how we can walk with you in a way that's worthy which you've called us to do. Recognizing, Lord, that we have to walk through circumstances. We have to look beyond the material things, and we need to come back to you. And Lord, when we call upon you in your name, you say you'll never forsake us and never leave us. So I pray a blessing on everybody here today, Lord. Go before us. Prepare our way this week, Lord, that we would be lights And lastly, Lord, give us divine appointments this week. In Jesus' name, amen.